0: It's something that just doesn't happen. How many of you realize that? Uh, Learning to be successful is not just something automatically takes place or happens. You have to plan on it. And then you have to build on it. You have to work at it. It just doesn't happen. And often today in family, our issue is just to survive. That's all we want to do. We just want to survive as a family. Um, how many of you ever seen the movie Rocky? Now, I don't know which one it is—Rocky one, two, three, or four or five, because there's a lot of them. But remember the one he kept getting knocked down, and when he get knocked down, what would he do? jump right back up. He get knocked down again. Jump right back up. Get knocked down again. Jump right back up. And you have to understand you got to have the grit and the determination to get back up in family life. Because family won't always be what you want it to be. And therefore, you got to be willing to get back up. Um That whole process is something that you have to learn to do. Because many of us, when we fall and get down, we have a habit of doing what? Just going down and what? Staying down. down. And sometimes people will even tell us, you better stay there. You got to have the determination that you're going to move again. That you're going to move again. Learning to be successful takes two qualities also. There are two things that are required of us. One is simply this here. Obedience and doing. Obedience and then doing. Obedience always requires an action. The action is this: is it right or wrong? Is it the right action or is it the wrong action? And to fully be obedient it has to be in compliance of the righteousness of God and therefore it has to be the right action. Not the wrong action. So it's that area of being obedient. Then doing. Doing. But doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. Now, here comes one of the stumbling blocks for Christians. We can be obedient up here. But wrong in our what? (laughs) The assumption can be, I'm right up here in mine. But what I do out here is contrary to what I'm thinking that is right here. How can I put it in his right words? The Lord says, he that knoweth to do right and doeth it not is what? So the Lord's acknowledging, up here you know what to do. As far as doing what is right. But you have chosen to do what? The wrong thing. He that knoweth to do right and doeth it not is sin. And the doing is the action. While the knowing, I know the right thing. But I choose to do the wrong thing. And it's that whole part of learning how to do that. Therefore, James says, be ye a doer of the word. Not only what? A hearer of the word, but be you a doer of the word. Now go to Isaiah 28 with me, understanding what James says. And in James 4.4, 4, he says, boy, uh, your doing cannot be that of the world. If you're following the thought pattern or the action of the world, then that's wrong. You have to make the decision that you're going to follow the instructions of God's word. That whole process has to play out in the makeup of the whole family. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But in Isaiah 28, and he's talking to the remnant of Israel, and he tells us that in twenty-eight five, but where I want to get to is twenty-eight ten. And he says, "For it is do and do do and what do? It's not that those in captivity didn't know what was right to do, but they chose to do what—the wrong thing—and God says." My word is do, 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 do. Oftentimes you hear people say, Boy, Bob's talking about all the things you can't do. Well, you all look at all the things you can do. All the things you can do. And he says, For it is do and do and do and do. Rule on rule. Rule on rule. A little here, a little there. In other words, in all areas of your life, the Word is going to direct. Here, here, here is going to be a doing here, a doing there, a doing there, a doing as a father, a doing as a husband, a doing as a child, doing as a daughter, doing as a son, doing as a neighbor, doing as this, doing as an employee. The whole thing is do, and guess what? God gives direction. He gives you the rules of how you are. To perform in all these things. And he says, boy, it's do, 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 do. Rule, 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 rule. And he says, very well then. With foreigners' lips and strangers' tongues, God will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. And this is the place of repose. But they would not listen. So then the word of the Lord to them will become do and do, do and do, rule on rule and rule on rule, a little here, a little there, so that they will go and fall backwards, be injured and snared and captured. When you don't do what the Lord wants you to do, the results are you're going to fall backwards, you're going to be injured, You're going to be snared. You're going to be caught in the hands of Satan and captured. When you're not willing to perform God's word and do it, you're going to fall backwards. God's word is to proceed you how? Forward. God's word has called you to make progress. God's word has you to grow. But when you're not willing to perform it or to do it, you're always going to fall backwards. You're always going to go into this area where you're seeing like you're stuck and you're not moving. You're, got, you're not progressing. Hey, it's God's will that as his people, we progress. John makes it so clear. May you prosper as your spirit. What? Prosper. If you're growing spiritually, God says you're going to profit. But if you're not growing spiritually... You're not going to profit. And you can break that down into all areas of your life. If you're not growing spiritually as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a daughter, you're losing. As an employee. Now, there's one thing Trump said that I like. And Trump said, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. In his mind, he saw himself as a winner. Everybody else was saying he was what? Losing. Now what I want you to understand is this. He didn't go by the statistics. He had made up in his own mind, he's a winner. And guess what? He told the world that. (laughs) Even when everything else was saying, brother, you're <laughs> No, I'm a winner. I'm, now, understand this. If you're really born again, you're a winner. Now, don't think winning comes easy. Having a winning family doesn't come Easy. Winning doesn't come easy. It takes a lot out of you. And that's what the Lord talks about. Endurance. Sometimes follow that word in scripture. Endurance. Because you have to be able to endure in order to win. Because sometimes in the most difficult situations of life with family, it looks like it's all falling apart. But you've got to be able to what? Endure you got to be able to fight through the battles and understand the battle is not so much husband, wife, or children. It's Satan intervening into that which God has ordained. And remember, if you give him an inch, he'll take a foot. If he get a foot, he's going to take a yard. If he takes a yard, he's going to take a mile. And the sooner you recognize him in the midst of it, the sooner you can turn it around. even with my children, have to understand something. Satan wants to break that bond between me and my children. Satan wants to break the bond between me and Elaine. Satan wants to hinder. And I got to recognize the enemy when he is intruding into that which belongs to God. Now, God is looking more at my being than he is at my doing. People judge themselves oftentimes by their doing. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this over here, and I'm doing that. God isn't so much interested in your doing as he is in your being. Are you staying connected to him? Are you part of the vine? Are you staying in fellowship with Him? Are you obeying Him? Are you being steadfast in Him? Are you holding your citizenship as a Christian at a higher standard than what you hold your citizenship as an American citizen? Are you holding who you are in Him above everything else that you may think that you are? Because God is more interested in your being. A follower of Christ. Being in Christ. He's more interested in your being than He is your doing. Understanding this. You can do without being in Him. You can do without being in Him. And a lot of times we do function in the sense outside of the body of Christ, or outside of the will of God, rather than functioning where? In the will of God, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, who's going to demonstrate the Christ life in my life. He's more interested in my being. And your being causes you to do. Go with me to John 15, 1 through 5. Because God is interested that I am connected. He says. Let me get to 15. He says, I am the vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit. He prunes. Now. I want to be careful here, but I hope you can follow with me through it. Oftentimes, we get into that area of being a witness for the Lord. The witness sometimes can be all this mouth stuff. The issue are: are you really living in Christ? That's the being. Are you really a part of Christ and living in Him, obeying Him? and if you take this chapter here or this part of the vine he says if you're in the vine you're connected to the vine in its proper sense you automatically bring forth fruit now what kind of fruit is that is that when you go over to Galatians 5 you're bringing forth the fruit of the spirit then why because you are Abiding, where at? In Christ. In Christ. And if you're in Christ, he says, you'll bring forth what? Fruit. The best witness is your abiding, not so your mouth. That people can really see you abiding in Christ, being steadfast in Christ, living in Christ, performing out of the power of Christ, more so than this over here running. And he says, boy, if you really abide in me and abide in this vine, people will see your fruit. Now understand this, fathers. The children need to see your fruit of you abiding in Christ. The whole household needs to see that. Need to see who, who is called so what. The head of the house... Abiding in Christ and trusting Christ. This family recognized something today. As much as he may be the head of his family, there's an authority over him. <laughs> as much as I want to look all strong and mighty, my family will see my what? What? My weakness. And they can determine this now. Paul says, boy, I'd rather be weak that the strength and power of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, might be seen through me that is not my strength, but it is His strength because I'm so connected with Him that He gives me the power to go through whatever I'm going through. So, it's not just about one person. It's about a family. It's about co workers. It's about everybody around you. And oftentimes, we miss that point when God's working in our life. It's not just about me, it's about my whole surrounding. Yes. Hey. And therefore, what's important to God is my being, not my doing. My being. Is what is important. And he goes on and he says there, he says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Remain in me. And I will what? Remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by its what? Boy, if you don't underline anything else, underline that. You can't bear fruit without who? Without him. And he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain where? In me. Now catch verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear what? Much fruit. He's going to bear fruit in his family. The family will see the fruit. The family will see the prosperity. The family will see him growing in Christ. The family will be able to see God doing a work in that person that all of their eyes are what? Are upon. And it gives testimony of the power of God. And he goes on, he says, in verse 6 now. There's a word I want to caution you on. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like. He is like. Not that he is, but he is like. Understand that difference when you use the word like. He's comparing you with something, but he's not stating that's what you really are. I'm born again. I'm saved. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. Not even my doing. Well, my doing may be wrong. He says, I'm like a branch that bears no fruit. That's I'm like that. It's not that I'm a branch that's tossed into the fire. I'm still connected, but I'm like that branch that it did. I'm like that. Now, go to... James 4.17. He says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it is what? It's sin. That's all. It's sin. And, and God has taught me through rules upon rules and upon his word, this is how I am to form. I am to perform in this manner. I am to perform like this. I am to be like Christ. Now, how many of you are always like Christ? How many of you slip up every now and then? That's the reality of life for us. But we don't stay in our slipperiness. We don't stay where we fall down at. We get up. Then, I want you to know something, and this is the hard part, and this is where part of our society is at today. Because we're so moved to just be in survival mode. We're, we're, we're so stuck sometimes just on ourselves that we don't think about the next generation. And when you get into scripture, scripture tells you one generation will do what? Teach another generation. So there's that responsibility that this family is to begin making certain strides and steps. That the next generation can do what? Build upon that. And then the next generation do what? Build upon that. Then the next generation builds upon that. But you've got to lay something down as a foundation for the family to build upon. There are three main areas that has to be established and built upon. And I'm going to suggest to you, you build on these things... Around your family time. You build on these things at dinner time. You build on these things as you take walks together. You build on these things as you're communicating together. You build on these things. One is, boy, you got to build the intellect. You want to teach your children to strive for knowledge. Why? We're always learning. We're always learning. And understanding this, nothing ever just stays what? The same. So you can get stuck with old school knowledge and not be productive in today's world. We're always learning. And you want to give them and feed into them a desire that they always want to be learning. Secondly, you want to really concentrate and help them to understand their physical makeup. What does that do away? That does away with inferiority. That this person looks better than me. This person got a body I wish I had there. Mm, yeah. that, that this person really looks good and I'm ugly. Or well, this person is this or that. You want to build on their physical Body And what they look like. And bring it to their awareness. You are unique. You are unique. You are different. God made you the way he wants you to be. And in God's eyesight, you are a beautiful creature. You're God's child. And you want to build on that. Why? Because out of that comes self-esteem. When you catch people who think they're ugly, there's a low self-esteem. And what they're basically doing is comparing themselves with somebody else. They're looking around at their peers, they're looking around at their world, rather than looking in at themselves and saying, God has given me life and I am uniquely created by His hands. The third most important thing that needs to really be discussed and to be developed mentally and in the heart is the reproductivity of the individual. Or the sex life. When is it proper? When is it not proper? I am who I am. I am a male. I am a female. And certain things are going to start happening in my body. And those things need to be taught before they start. Because what has to be taught is this. How to control it. It don't act by my feelings. It's not going to be turned on because of my emotions. Those things got to really be discussed. Those three are three major areas that we're losing in today. Intellect. Body, because everybody thinks they're going to be like somebody on TV. And then the sexual thing. Those are the three basic things... If either one of those are missing, that person is somewhat in danger of being destroyed. You can have two of the other and miss one of the other, and you're going to be in danger, and it's going to be harmful to you. Because all three of those are basic elements of our life that dad and mom has to really talk about and bring into this conversation piece as the family. In other words, it's simply this way. It is better to grow a healthy child or healthy children into healthy adults than it is to repair them later on in life. It's better to walk them through and really have a healthy child Grow into being a healthy adult, then that child to be damaged or without the information it needs, that later on you got to come back and try to repair and correct. Therefore, building a family that will be unbeaten. What do I mean by being unbeaten? Life is a boxing match. Even the greatest got knocked down. As great as Muhammad thought he was, he got knocked down. Frazier knocked him down. And the whole world was surprised that he got knocked down. This is the greatest. Let me share something with you. You will get knocked down in life. We all do. Because something's going to happen while we're in this ring of life that we're not expecting. And it's enough to knock us down. But the issue is this here. When you get knocked down, will you get up? Will you get back up? And here comes the real thing. When you get up, will you get up with a purpose? Oftentimes when people are knocked down, they get up living life more cautiously. And I'm not saying you should not be aware of what you're Faulter was or how somebody knocked you down. You shouldn't be aware, but it should not take you so much that you're fearful of lo- uh, of living life. And oftentimes you get knocked down, you become fearful of getting back in, or doing it again, or getting back into life. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, and therefore I should not be fearful of getting back into. Life. And the question is, will you get back up? And will you get back up with a purpose? With a purpose. When you find people who are depressed, they've lost sight of their purpose. Everybody got to have a drive. Even though it may be a small one. It has to be something that they're living for. And they sometimes have to discover that. And in the family part, that purpose is somewhat almost helped set by mom and dad. To help the child to develop, what's my purpose in life? And see, words I don't like, it don't matter. Everything in life, what? Yeah. Why? Because somehow it affects you and I. When I hear kids say, I don't care, that's a give up attitude. You should care about everything that's taking place in your life. Even though you may not understand it, you care about it. Why? Because it's having an effect on your life. When you say, I don't care, you're allowing that thing or whatever it is to fester in you you align that thing to be something that can defeat you. Because it's a reality, but you're going to look this way. You're not going to look at it. You're going to look over here. And some things in life, you've just got to do it eye to eye. Because it's going to have an effect on you. Man. It's going to have an effect on you. Amen. And that whole process is that you have to deal with it. Everything matters, down to the smallest or the biggest. you got to care enough about you that you're the gatekeeper of your life, that you allow those things in that you really care about. You know how to put space between that, which is less important. Caring is by knowing how to place things in is priority. Because, see, when you lose purpose, you lose drive. When you lose drive, you lose momentum. You can't move. You're like the bus was a couple weeks ago. We could start it up and the engine go, but the transmission would not engage. (laughs) Sound good. Motor sound good. Starting up. But when wasn't going anywhere. You put it in drive, it just sit there. And sometime in our life, we're trying to put something in drive. And we have no momentum to move us. And it's the purpose that moves us. It's the purpose that gives us drive. That we move from point A to point B, B to C. And even when I get myself back up, it's my purpose that moves me and will not allow me to be stuck in my present situation. Because when I get stuck, I have self-pity. When I get stuck, I'm looking downward at myself. When I get stuck... It's hard for me to be positive about myself. Everything is negative about myself. And I begin to name all the things I can't do and why I can't do it and who's in my way blocking me from doing it. And I'm stuck. Turn me to Acts. Go chapter 4, 13. Because... This is something that we all have to gain. Because we find those times of life where we are threatened by others, or we've been knocked down, or we've been told we can't do, or we can't perform. If I would have listened to the first couple of schools that I sim. Seminaries I applied to, I wouldn't be preaching today because with my stuttering, I was told, uh, "No, God's not really calling you because you're stuttering too bad. You can't even even hold a conversation on the phone." <laughs> uh, my brother Richard back there can tell you how bad I stuttered, and it was hard to get two words out sometimes. But because I knew God was speaking. To me, I just had to find the right person. And I'll never forget Dr. Grant on the telephone at Toccoa Falls who called and he said, You come to school, prepare your mind and heart, let God take care of the speaking. Now that was a ray of hope. And that's what really drew us more so to go to Toccoa Falls. Okay. And, and, and the whole process... Sometime you will have people around you who will criticize you all kind of ways. You gotta find just one positive thought. One positive person. Who's willing to say you can. (laughs) You can. In Acts four thirteen he says And this is Peter and John, and they've been threatened, they've been told, and all this other stuff, what they can't do, and this and that. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter. Now, understand something. Parents have to show to their children courage. Parents have to be willing to step out. Um, When I went to buy my first home, my dad's life had experienced one thing. My life was experiencing something else. So when I went out to buy my first home, my dad was telling me, boy, you're trying to bite off too much, too soon, too quick. Now my, dad, my dad's house only cost him 13000 But he had a house that walked the thing down to like maybe 8000 after he put down, after selling the other home and everything. But my home, and I had nothing but a GI bill, cost me nineteen five. Now that's peanuts compared to today, isn't it? <laughs> but at that point in time, from which my dad came from, he looked at it and he said, "Boy, that's that's pretty steep. That's that's going to be too much." Hey. I remember sitting down with my son, and God had to remind me things had changed because I was telling my son you be careful with this he was a supervisor in Maryland over the courts and going to court and, and he had these people up under him who he had to assign to and so forth and he had squabbles with one or two and I was telling him you need to be careful and he kept reminding me sometimes dad I'm staying within the authority that has been given to me according to my assignment of my job you know? and where I'm trying to hold him back he's trying to move forward and I finally just had to just shut my own mouth and realize Gus's experience are not so much my experiences you understand what I'm saying his experience are not my experience okay? and sometimes we want to put our experience on our children as their experience. Now there 's nothing wrong with teaching to, to give eyesight and clearance and to help understand. But my children 's experience will not be my experience. And most of the time, what their experience i 'm too old to go back in the experience. But the same God rules over what? Both of us as we go through the experience. And that's why I want to teach my children to depend and trust on who? On God. So he says, boy, they recognize their courage. You build your family to have courage that they're willing to step out, they're willing to try, they're willing to go forward, no matter what's happened in life or who's talking to them, that they have a courage about themselves to go forward. In college, I flunked the English exam twice. It took me three times, and I'm still not that good with it. But the thing is, the third time, Boy, going back through papers I'm glad I'm saved some of my papers because I didn't make the same mistake the third time. <laughs> Made them changes and so forth. You're going to have failures in things in life. That doesn't mean you can't be an overcomer. And he said, Boy, you gotta take courage. You gotta take courage. You gotta have endurance. You gotta be willing to move forward. Don't get stuck in life. Don't allow life to scare you. And teach your children not to be scared of life. Not to be scared of life. He says, boy, they saw their courage of Peter and John. And they realized that they were unschooled. Unschooled. Now understand... You can be educated in one area and another person educated in another area, another person educated over in this area, but understand this here. You are not dumb or stupid and teach your children that. You may not have all knowledge in every area of life. But that's that process that I talked about early. Education, wanting to know. That you can go get a book and you can read it and you can get some enlightenment on it and you can talk to somebody about it you don't know everything about it but you know something where you're not official in their their capacity you are in the area that God has ordained for you. I'm not the best speaker I understand that. But you tell me to put a furnace In somebody's home And design the heating process of it I'll beat a lot of folks You tell me to to build something I'll beat a lot of folks There's nothing wrong with having weaknesses But also know your strengths And teach your children Their weaknesses and their strengths Why? That's the reality of life you're going to have both. You're going to have both. And it says they saw that they were unschooled. They were ordinary men. Now what's wrong with being ordinary? Okay, I don't have a doctor's degree. Okay, I don't have a master's degree. Okay, I don't have this and I don't have that. I remember Roger with Mac. Mac went to school with us at Howard Vocational High School. And Mac is Dr. So-and-so at Akron U. And he was teaching this, this, and that. And Roger was at a function with Barb and so forth. And Matt came up to Roger. And uh, Roger said, Hi, Mac. He said, Doctor Matt," And that he's professor of so-and-so. And Roger let him talk a little bit. And Roger asked him this. How much you make? And Roger said, Last year, I almost doubled that. And the issue sometimes, is not about the position, it's the function that God has placed you, and that you function well, you do your best in that position. And it says, boy, yeah, they recognize that uh, they were unschooled, they were just ordinary men, and look at what happens. And this is what has to happen with the family. This is what has to happen with mom. This is what has to happen with the child. This is what has to happen with dad. Is that it says, they were astonished. And they took note of these men had been with Jesus. That your children can look at you as dad and say, Boy, my dad been with Jesus. (laughs) He's outstanding. He's wonderful. My mom, she's a praying mom. She's outstanding. She spends time with Jesus. And they recognize is that, yeah, you may be ordinary, but what makes you different is the time you spend with who? With Jesus. With Jesus. Now, Now that's the real groundbreaking foundation for a successful family. That the family can recognize from where this strength is coming from. That it's coming from Jesus. A successful family is a family who looks at life from God's point of view not by one's emotions or feelings but from God's point of view Hebrews 12:2 says fix your eyes upon who upon Jesus Mom and dad may not be the best parents, but my eyes are upon Jesus, because the one who's really parenting me is Jesus. Okay. Then you've got godly parents, you say, thank you, Lord. Because you also see the example of what it is to live for Christ, and the benefits that come because you live for Christ. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. And as parents, sometimes you got to remind your children. And sometimes as a father, I used to have to say to my children, I have an authority that's higher than me. They may not see him at the moment, but there is an authority higher than me, and that's Jesus. And I will give an account to him of how I performed as being a husband and being a father, being whatever role I'm playing in, I give an account to him. And in Matthew 6 Matthew He talks about, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That in the family, that that be part of the makeup of the family. That we're seeking God's will for all of our lives. And, and, And you have to share that with your children. You have to help them learn how to seek God's will for their life. For their purpose. For their being. What they are going to become. And they treasure that that this is what God wants me to do. This is what God wants me to be. This is what God's doing in my life. And sometimes you need to sit down with your children and you need to ask them, what is God talking to you about? What is God talking to you about? And sometimes you need to tell them what God is talking about to you. What is God saying to you? Hey, They... They need this communication process to understand and process the living God in whom they're going to serve. And turn with me to Psalms 119.59 And we'll, we'll stop here and pick up next week. But go to Psalms 119. Look what we're invited to do. And, and, and it's so important that this this part is done. Because In it, you discover more about yourself. It's doing the same thing that Paul in one light almost tells us to do. Examine ourselves. In a man's sight, he will always see himself right. In our own eyesight, we see ourselves right. The the question is, is this. What do we... Challenge that right with. How do we really look at it. To see if it's right or not. And. I take what I think is right. And I weigh it back over against the scripture. If it does not line up with scripture. Scripture is not going to adjust to me. I have to what? Adjust to the scripture. And sometimes that can be difficult. Because See. Remember what scripture said? Pride comes before a fall. I won't look at scripture. I'm only going to react from my emotions and my feelings rather than allow God's word to dictate how I'm going to function as this individual person. Look what he says there in Psalms 119.59. He says, I have considered my ways. So the challenge is, is, first look at your own ways. He says, I've considered my ways. I've looked at my life. I've looked at my thoughts. I've looked at my plans. I've really looked at it. Then after looking at it, the question is, do you acknowledge them? Because see... The Lord thwarts the plans of man, or God puts the plans of man, and just, whoop. And yet God says plan. God tells us as individuals to plan. He said, look at the ant. Look how the ant functions. Look what the ant does. So it's not that he's not telling us how to plan, but our plans have to line up with His plans. Our plans have to line up with his word. Our plans have to glorify him, not ourselves. Our plans have to please him, not ourselves. Our plans have to be under his scrutiny where we're able to say to him, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this what you want me to do? And he says... I have considered my ways. I catch the next line. And have turned my steps to your statues. I have turned. Underline that word turned there. If you have it in your word. Because what it is saying is this. I was doing this. And then I examined God's way. And I turned. And I'm now going his way. You catch that picture there? I've looked at my plans. i looked at how I'm living. I'm looking at what I do. I examine what I do according to his word. And those places where I need to turn. Those places where I need to make a difference in my life. To line myself up with his word. Because see, the blessing comes in when I walk in his will. The blessing comes in when I'm obedient to his word. Not just in mind, but also in action. The blessing comes in and where life begins to become joyful and full and bountiful is when I'm obedient to him. And that's family. The toughest job a man will ha- ever have to do is go home every night and be godly. That's a tough job. That's a tough job. The mother's hardest job will be able to go home and be a godly woman before her husband and her children. That's a tough job. The hardest job children will have Is to go home and be obedient to who? Mom and Dad. That's a tough job. (laughs) Closing with this. God expects us to function within the title that He gives us. What do I mean by that? I'm a father. So I function as a father, but I also was a son, and I function as a son. I'm also a grandfather, and I function as a grandfather. I'm also an uncle, so I function as an uncle. I'm also a neighbor, therefore I function as a neighbor. I'm also a pastor, so I function as a pastor. I'm also a Christian. Then I function as a Christian. I'm a woman. I function as a godly woman. I'm a man. I function as a godly man. Those are all different little titles that are given. But guess what? God is working in all those titles. He's perfected me in all those titles. Where I might be great in one... I'm a louse in another. I was saying to my son, if I needed a lawyer, but his personal life is messed up, but he's good in the courtroom, and other lawyers tell me, you need to get him. He is good in that courtroom. He's the best. Am I going to look at his personal life and try to choose him? Or am I going to look at the facts and the results of what he gets in the courtroom? I may not like his personal life, but going into that courtroom, I want the best. And that's who most likely I will choose. The best. Understand, we got the best lawyer that sits at the right hand of the Father who's interceding for us. And he's the one who's mapping our road. He's the one who's teaching and guiding us. He's the one. We just got to be obedient. Amen? Amen. Father, we want to thank you. That Lord, family, you meant to be successful. But it's hard work. And it starts with each one of us really looking at ourselves. Whether I'm the father, the mother. Whether I'm the children, a child. Whatever position I find myself in. To build a successful family, we all have to engage each other.